Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. Um, I wonder what you uh, think of when you hear the word power. Uh, maybe when you hear power, you think of the power of a storm. And like in this uh, first picture, uh, this is a picture of Joplin where the tornado ripped through and incre- incredible power uh, this summer. Maybe when you think of power, you think of the power of water. Here's a picture of water sweeping a house away. Very, very sad. Maybe when you think about power, you think about this. Here's a guy pulling a semi-truck. I can barely push my car, you know. I can't imagine. Maybe when you think of power, you think of electricity and electric current and the power that it has. Uh, Home Depot has uh, been running a series of commercials lately, and uh, they advertise the idea that, uh, you know, for instance, if you want to paint a room, that you come to their store, and they'll sort of be your partner in the process. You know, they'll help you pick out the right paint, um, you know, unless you're willing to pay them a lot of extra money, they don't actually come home and paint it for you. So I'm not sure how far the partnership really seems to go. But, uh, you know, they tell you all this stuff. And then what do they say at the end of the commercial? That's the power of the Home Depot. Well, I, I want to talk this morning about uh, a greater partnership, a more important partnership. And I want to talk about a greater, more important power as we begin our series, Unleashed. I, I am really uh, energized about this series. Uh, we planned this series months ago. Before we knew anything about a new location or all in or any of the stuff that's going to happen in our future. And uh, so I'm convinced it's God's timing because as I look at the things we're going to talk about, they are very timely and they are very important to our future. Do you ever ask yourself the question, does my life really make a difference? Does what I do really matter? Um, you know, when I, I turned 40 several years ago now, I asked those questions a lot. You know, my was really making a difference. And I suppose in now just a few years when I turn 50, um, I'll probably ask those questions again. Because I think we all want to make a difference. We want our life to matter. Jesus was the original difference maker. When He came to this earth 2,000 years ago, He literally changed the world and He made a difference. Then He started the church. A ragtag group of ordinary people And they began to, again, change the world and make a difference. And we're going to study over these next few weeks exactly what it is about their lives that began to really make a difference. Because, believe it or not, they have handed off the baton to us to continue today to make a difference in our world, to do something with our lives that matters. And so we're going to talk about that. Because I believe if you're a Christ follower... Your home should be a better place because of you. If you're a Christ follower, the school that you go to should be a better place because you're there. The place where you work ought to be a better environment because of Jesus living through you. And our city ought to be a better place because we're making a difference right here in our city. That's the vision. And beginning in Acts chapter 1 and in the chapters that follow, that is exactly what we see happen as God unleashed His people to make a difference in the world. And so that's what we're going to study, and I want us to dig in right now, okay? Acts chapter 1 is where we are. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit today because I really want to push this during this series. Uh, How many of you have your Bible or your iPod or your phone that you're reading along? Hold it up for me, okay? That's pretty good. Now, the rest of you, I want to challenge you. Uh, bring your Bibles during the series because I want you to read this for yourself. I want you to go home. I want you to mark where it is. I want you to go home and study it for yourself. 
Um, if you don't have a Bible on your way out today, uh, there are some on the tables. Pick one of those up. It's our gift. You take it home and then bring it back uh, when you come next week, okay? Acts chapter 1. Acts is just a little ways into the New Testament part of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you're going to come to the book of Acts. If you get the Romans or the Corinthians, you've gone a little too far. So Acts chapter 1. Here we go. Uh, in my former book, now this is, who, who's the author of, Luke, of uh, Acts? I just said it in my yeah, Luke, okay? Luke is the author. So he's also written another book in the New Testament called, very creatively, Luke. And um, this is like his second volume. So where he really ends at the end of the book of Luke, he picks it right back up here and continues the story. The book of Luke tells the story of Jesus, his life. And then as he picks it up here in the book of Acts, he's going to finish up the end of Jesus' life, the last day in a sense, last couple of days, and lead us right into the beginning of the church. So here's Luke writing. He says, in my former book, Luke, and then he's writing to this guy named Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, after his death on the cross, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, after Jesus died, he resurrected and he made several appearances, sometimes to a large crowd, as many as 500 people, most often to smaller groups of people. And he began to continue what he had been doing through his whole life, teaching them about what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. So Luke goes on to say in verse 4, And on one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave this command. So Luke is going to tell us here about one of those occasions where Jesus is sitting down with some of his followers and he's giving some instructions about what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. And here's the command he gave them. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The guys haven't changed. These guys that are following Jesus. Can you remember if you read through the story of Jesus in the book of Luke or, or other Gospels? They kept getting off track. They had this sort of one mindset that Jesus was going to restore a kingdom earthly, that He was going to fix Israel. And they're still distracted by that goal in this moment. Jesus, is that what this is all about? Verse 7, He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. In other words, Jesus says, just don't worry about that. Okay? God's got that. He's got that hand. But you, verse 8, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After He had said this, He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid Him from their sight. And this is the point that Jesus leaves earth until He comes back to take all of us who are following Him to heaven. And so these are His, his final words to them. And in His historical account, we, I think, find some insights, as we will as we study through all of the first four chapters of the book of Acts, we find some insights about how it is that we today can continue to change the world, can continue to be difference makers. And here's the first one. I want to spend just a couple minutes on this. The first one is, you've got to take a time out. You've got to take a time out. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 4 again. He's, they're on this one occasion, they're having dinner together, and here's what He says to them. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. 
when do you need a timeout? You need a timeout when life is going too fast. You need a timeout when there are things that are happening that you don't understand. You need a timeout when things are changing very quickly. You need timeout to stop, to rest, but most importantly, to listen to what God has to say. Now think about what was going on. These people needed a timeout. We do it with our children, right? I mean, you know, I was never great at timeout with my kids. Peg was probably a lot better at this than I was, but you know what you do with your kids. When their life gets a little out of control, they're a little out of control. What do you do? You know, you set them down in the chair maybe, and maybe you have them grab their hands. They're old enough, you maybe ask them to count to 10 or 300 or 1,000 if they could. Um, you know, take some deep breaths. Because what are you trying to do? You're trying to get them to calm down enough to realize, let's get life back in order. Let's recognize what's wrong with the situation. Let's get things headed back in the right direction. These followers of Jesus, I want you to think about what they had just experienced over the previous few weeks. It was just a few weeks ago that Jesus had died on the cross, their, their leader, their Savior. And they had watched His agonizing death. It was only a few days later, they were feeling the emotions of the loss of Jesus, and suddenly He comes back from the dead. He resurrects, and imagine all of the emotions and feelings of that. And that's followed by these appearances that Jesus makes along the way, giving them all kinds of instructions, telling them about things that are to come. And, and now He has ascended. And they really have no idea. They can't fathom all of the things that really are just around the corner for them, the kinds of incredible things that God is going to do in and through them in, in just these next few weeks and months. And so in the midst of this, Jesus says, just stay in Jerusalem. Wait. Take a time out. And you know what? There are a lot of times in our lives that the healthiest thing we could do is just take a time out and let life catch up with us. I think this is very applicable for us as a church. There's a whole bunch of change just around the corner. And it would be really healthy for us in our lives over these next few weeks to make sure that we're taking some time out to stop and ask God, what are you doing in our lives? In fact, some of us have been fasting on Fridays, praying about the future of our church. And I want to encourage you to, if you've been doing that, to continue to do that. But let me give you another tool that I want to challenge you to do beginning this week. On those Fridays, I want to challenge you on Fridays at 1.08 p.m. And here's why 1.08. Because we're going to talk about verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 in a moment. And it's a key verse for everything through this series. So on Fridays at 1.08, in honor of Acts 1.8, I want to ask you to take a time out. Now, you may be at work, and so your time out may be a minute or a couple of minutes. Maybe, though, you're in a place where you could have a late lunch and take a longer period of time. Maybe you could get together with a few other people. Maybe there's some other Christ followers at the place that you work that you could get together somewhere. But, but wherever you are, whatever you need to do, on Fridays at 108, would you just take a time out? And would you pray? Pray first for yourself. God, what do you want to do in my life? And would you also pray for Crosspoint and say, God, what are you going to do at Crosspoint? What are you going to unleash in our church? What incredible things are you going to do? So take a time out. I think the first step 
to being a difference maker is recognizing the importance of timeouts. Now here's the second thing, and here's where we're going to camp out for a little bit longer this morning. You've got to get the power. You've got to get the power. Let's look at that key verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want you to underline this, highlight it. I want you to go back and read this verse over and over again this week. I want you to get this verse in your heart, Acts 1-8. Here's what Jesus says. Do not leave Jerusalem. I'm sorry. Skip down to actually to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will be my difference makers. But here's the key thing I want you to get. That word, power. The word is, the Greek word is dunamos. It's where we get our word dynamite. And Jesus says that for all of His followers, through the Holy Spirit, He wants to give us this dunamos, this dynamite power. Now, I wanted to give you some kind of picture today. Something that would really stick in your minds that would remind you of this power. I thought about dynamite, but I don't believe it's illegal to buy dynamite. I'm sure it's not legal to bring it on a school ground. Actually, what I'm about to do probably isn't legal in school either, but don't tell on me, okay? So I didn't think uh, uh, dynamite was appropriate, but how about a firecracker? Before you have really time to think about it. Now, that's not a lot of power. Just making sure we're not burning the floor. I think we only have weeks left. We might only have a few days left here. Now listen, I want that image to be burned in your mind because that's not a whole lot of power, is it? But the kind of power that Jesus spoke about, the kind of power that Jesus writes about here is a much greater, it is a, it is a dynamite power. It is incredible power. And Jesus says, through the Holy Spirit, I want to give that kind of power to every one of my followers. In fact, it's not long. I didn't anticipate how the smell would be. Is that going to bother you guys? Because it's going to bother me. It's not long until Jesus begins to fulfill this promise. If you move over into Acts chapter 2, the first few verses here, Jesus actually fulfills this promise in the lives of those early Christians. Here's what happens, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost, which was a religious celebration about 50 days after the Sabbath, or I'm sorry, after um, Passover, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, I want you to think back. If you would go back and read this week in John chapter 3, Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus. And do you remember what he says to Nicodemus? He says, the Spirit is like the, the wind. And a lot of these followers had heard about that conversation. And so now, the wind comes. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And again, historically, they might have thought back to Moses. And do you remember Moses' conversation with God? It happened in a burning bush, right? God was in the burning bush. It represented the holiness and the power of God. And now that fire comes and rests on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what were these tongues? Well, it explains it at the beginning of verse 5. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all of these men who are speaking Galileans? 
then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? It would be as if one of us who speaks only English were suddenly gathered together in a room full of people from Hispanic backgrounds and European backgrounds and from Russia and wherever you can think of, and suddenly some of us were able to communicate in their native tongue even though we had no training about how to do that. That's the kind of power that they were given. And then Peter becomes their chief spokesperson. And Peter gives a powerful, a dynamite kind of powerful testimony about his story of Jesus Christ. And his testimony on this day is so dunamis powerful that 3,000 people, more than 3,000 people, decide they're going to follow Jesus Christ. And this same Peter, living in that dunamis power through the Holy Spirit, this same Peter is a guy who later will have the courage to risk his life and go to jail for the sake of the Gospel. It's the same Peter who will dramatically be involved in touching and healing hundreds of lives. It's the same Peter who has incredible courage to speak to government officials in the days to come. It's the same Peter who will ultimately give up his life for the Gospel. He has been given incredible dunamis power. Now, now wait a minute though. This is the same Peter. <laughs> this is the same Peter that if you go back and read in Luke's earlier book, it's the same Peter that couldn't even stay awake for a few minutes while Jesus was praying before His arrest. It's the same Peter that the night when Jesus was arrested, He had said to Jesus earlier, you know what, Jesus, you can always count on me, man. I'm with you. And it wasn't hours later until Peter was in a crowded courtyard and he totally denies that he even knows Jesus. How did this Peter, how did he go from the weak-kneed wimp of the courtyard to the powerful orator of Pentecost? What happened? The answer? The dunamis power of the Holy Spirit came into his life. And it was powerful. Now here's the good news for us. That same power has been promised to us. That's what Peter preaches later in verse 38 of chapter 2. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see that? That same power, that gift of the Holy Spirit is available to every one of us who follows Jesus. But here's the question that I ask. Because th these people... If you read their story on through the rest of the book of Acts, I mean, they, they turn the world upside down. This ragtag, ordinary group of people, they, they're difference makers. This dunamis power works so incredibly in their lives. I mean, in fact, if you begin to trace back historically some of the things that the early church did, they're the ones that started the idea of hospitals and nursing associations to care for the physical needs of people. It was the early Christians who lived in a culture where there was no value on life. And children would be born, and if they weren't really wanted, they would often be abandoned by their parents, especially if they were little girls, because girls weren't valued in their culture. And it was the church that stepped in and began to care for these orphans. Death was commonplace in their culture, and there were, there were times... I mean, you've heard the story of the gladiators... That, was real, that really happened. These gladiators would face off in a bloody, bloody battle in the Colosseum and they would fight to the death. And it was the church that stepped in and got involved in politi politics and changed that and did away with it. 
That's the kind of dunamis power that was at work in the early church. In fact, Acts 17.6 says of these early followers, these men who have upset the world, who have turned the world upside down, they're here also. And that same kind of power is available to us today. This dynamite power has been given to every one of us. In fact, Paul, later in one of his letters that he writes to the early church, says, with God's power, that's that same word, dunamis, with God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we ask or imagine. And references to that same power, the dunamis power, are sprinkled throughout the rest of the New Testament to us as Christ followers. In fact, if you're in one of our Unleashed Life groups this week, you're going to have a chance in your study to look at some of those Scriptures and to learn a little bit more about this dunamis power. But again, here's my question. Here's my question. What I struggle with, and maybe it's your question and what you struggle with too. Why don't I see more of this power at work in my life? And why doesn't the church today seem to seize more of this power that is available to us? Where did the power go? And I'm afraid we might not like the answer. Because, let's be clear about this. If Jesus is your Savior, the Holy Spirit is in your life. But, for a lot of different reasons and in a lot of different ways, far too many of us have chosen to say no to the power of the Holy Spirit. We have. Differently, some of us have said no to the power of the Holy Spirit because while we have, we've sort of invited Jesus to join us on our journey and to follow us wherever we lead. But trust me, the God of the universe is not something that you can just add to your life and then just continue living exactly as you've always lived. I mean, you don't need the Holy Spirit working in your life if your goal is just a semi-moral life and you attend church regularly. And yet that's where some of us are. For others, we truly want to follow Jesus. But we don't like a lot of what the Holy Spirit says for us to do. And so we've chosen to ignore Him. We say to the Holy Spirit, do you want control of how much of my money? Or we say to the Holy Spirit, you want me, you want me to care about that person? Or you want me to, to be concerned about what? Hey, Holy Spirit, come on. You, you think I can be a light in my neighborhood? You want me to move where and do what? And we're afraid. And so, you know what? The Holy Spirit is there, but I think after a while, He just gets quiet. And I think He gets quiet and He waits for us to get to the point in our life where we decide that we really want what His power will mean in our lives. For others of us, our lives just too noisy to even hear the Spirit trying to lead us. We're moving so fast and our life is so full of activities that there's no room for the Holy Spirit. And for others of us, and I think this was maybe where I fall sometimes, we're just flat out afraid of what might happen if we really let the Holy Spirit have complete control of our lives. And so out of fear, we hold back. So what do we need to do? to change this in our lives? How do we get our 
How do we get this power to be more at work in us and through us? I think Paul offers an answer when he writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So it's about getting our lives in step with the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? One of the things that my wife will uh, probably tell you if you've asked her that uh, disappoints her about me, one of the probably many things, is that uh, I don't like to dance at all. So like when we go to weddings and people are dancing, I, I won't do that. In fact, I'll just sit there, even if I'm like the only one sitting there. You know, I, I just don't want to dance. I think I was scarred, you know, like in eighth grade at a middle school dance when nobody would dance with me. I, that's what I want to hold on to. That's my problem. Either that or the fact that I'll be embarrassed that I have no rhythm. But I, I just don't like to dance. But I will tell you this, and I'll have to admit it to her in second service, I do have this secret admiration for people that can do like ballroom dancing. You know, to watch them you know, as they, they dance together and one of them takes the lead and does so perfectly. And I'm not actually going to dance, don't worry. I might move around a little bit, but I won't really be dancing. They so perfectly move together step by step in sync with each other. And don't you love those romantic movies when two people are dancing like that together and they're carrying on this whole uh, romantic conversation with each other as they whisper in each other's ears? Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to be your dance partner. But you've got to let Him take the lead. And you've got to listen to Him as He whispers in your ear. And you've got to get in sync with Him. You've got to let Him, you've got to get in step with what He's doing. And here's how I think that happens. One way at least. I was reading this week uh, in our life group actually. Uh, we started meeting a few weeks ago again. And um, we've been working our way through Psalm 119. And there was a, a verse there that just really jumped out at me. The, the psalmist there says, seven times a day I stop and focus or meditate on your word. And I thought as we read that that night, what would happen in my life if seven times a day I stopped for a moment and I said, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to do in this next period of time? And I realized if I would, if I would actually do that, I, I think... It would be the first step at least towards getting my life in sync with the Holy Spirit, getting my steps in line with the steps of the Holy Spirit and actually beginning to hear Him so that He could unleash His power to work through me. And so uh, here's what I did. I meant to bring my phone up here, but I didn't. Uh, I, I actually took my phone and I figured, um, you know, my waking hours seven times a day is about every two hours or so. And so I went into my phone and I actually set an alarm to go off at the top of every two hours starting at 7 o'clock in the morning, which I'm always up by then. And when that alarm goes off, just to be a reminder to stop wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, at least in my mind, and say, okay, Holy Spirit, for the next two hours, what's your agenda? What is it that you want to do in and through me? How do I get in step and in sync with you? so that you could maybe unleash your power in these next two hours. Why don't you try it? I uh, set mine on Friday and yesterday seven times. It went off during the day and every time, even in the middle of a football game, I was reminded, am I in sync with the Spirit? And so I challenge you, find some way, phone. Parents, if you don't know how to do that, your kids could show you how to set up seven alarms. Do something. 
that will remind you on a far more regular basis. Because here's what's happened. We just don't think about it. We just don't think about it. We just do life and we don't think about getting in step and in line with the Holy Spirit until we get in sync with Him. He's not able to unleash His power and to work through us. Because here's the truth. I'm as filled with the Spirit as I am empty of myself. It's true. I'm as filled with the Spirit as I am empty of myself. You know what? The the early church, they had far less head knowledge about the Spirit than we often do and a whole lot more real-life intimate knowledge as opposed to us who, many of us, we've got a lot of head knowledge about the Holy Spirit, but we just don't have very much real-life, authentic knowledge, intimate knowledge of the Spirit. And if we want to be difference makers, then we've got to begin to experience the power of the Holy Spirit being unleashed in our lives. Let's pray together. God, I ask You this morning to unleash the power of Your Spirit in us, in our church. God, I don't know what that means. And I'll be honest, sometimes I'm probably afraid of what that might actually mean. God, I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to be a powerless person, a powerless church. I want to see what happens when You really work in the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit in and through us. So God, this week as we live, would you, would you help us to get our lives in step, in sync with your Spirit? Would you remind us, God, throughout the day to stop and to ask, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? What do you want to do next? And help us to have the courage to obey. God, unleash us to be difference makers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.